uh, go for launch. Five. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Anything can happen in the next half hour. Four. My friend, we cannot keep this a secret any longer. This whole thing is insane. Three. Quiet, please. I am analyzing. Where's the kaboom? Two. There was supposed to be an earth-shattering kaboom. One. Out on the third planet closest to the sun, there's a special celebration, and it sounds quite fun. A jolly old fellow brings toys to everyone on a holiday they call Christmas. That's perfect. Good. Beezer. Good job. Now, I'm not going to lie. It oh, makes more. no sense to me. But here's what I've discovered about this Christmas mystery. I'm super busy. Is this, is this a long song? Santa is a furry freak with epic superpowers. He flies to every human home in under 14 hours. He's a master burglar. No. A pro at picking locks. No. If you don't leave milk and cookies out, he will put dung in your socks. That is not part of the lore at all. If you act nicely through the night and don't jump on your bed, Santa comes with sugar plums and hurls them at your head. But if you're on his naughty list, he shoots missiles at your toes. He might just roast your chestnuts with his powerful flamethrower. No! He doesn't have a flamethrower. Rain, 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 rain. It's kind of cool. Dear, 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 dear I don't know what Christmas is But Christmas time is here He's compelled his creepy elves To do his every wish Once sought to be a dentist Now he's sleeping with the fish Mrs. Claus, she works the pole Plans her man's demise no! Soon the elves will all rise up and stab out Santa's eyes. Earthlings. Ho, 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 ho. Earthlings are so weird. That's true. I don't know what Christmas is, but Christmas time is here. Ho, 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 ho. Earthlings are so weird. that dear I don't know what Christmas is but Christmas time is here I don't know what Christmas is but Christmas time is here or maybe it's there but it's somewhere you just got these instruments thank you nowhere Greetings, my fellow galactic travelers, and welcome back to Planet 8. This is your mission commander, Larry, speaking to you from our hidden base. Chief Engineer Bob is here by my side, as always, in the command center, and circling Planet 8 in our orbital spy satellite is Reconnaissance Officer Karen. And on this episode of Planet 8, 
Your intrepid crew is taking a deep dive into the MCU. Does it still work? Is it still relevant? Is it still entertaining? Straight away, let's kick it up to the satellite. Walker, why don't you give us a little introduction to this episode? All right. Well, thanks, Larry. So like many people nowadays, I think we're kind of sitting here going, what's <laughs> going on, MCU, to put it politely? Um, you know, since the end of the whole Infinity Saga, I think it's been a real mixed bag with Marvel, to put it politely. And, uh, you know, I don't want to go so far as some of these naysayers and say, oh, Marvel is totally screwed. They can't make a good movie or show or whatever. Uh, but definitely feels a little bit rudderless, maybe. And so, you know, every once in a while, you have something that comes out like a Spider-Man and you're like, oh, hey, this is great. And then other stuff comes out and you're kind of like, what's going on? <laughs> so, yeah, I think we all just decided, well, you know, there's a lot of rumors and crazy stuff going on right now. You know, what is, you know, you're hearing every every week about some casting rumor or some movie is going to be, you know, tossed or, oh, no, you know, this actor is in trouble with the law. And what does it mean for the Marvel Universe? So it seemed like a good time to kind of sit down, especially after... Uh, both the Marvels and Loki season two came out. And I think we were all pretty much in agreement <clears throat> that the Marvels was actually a pretty fun little movie, not a big blockbuster. The great you know, popcorn but, movie. Right. No, it wasn't an end game, but it was a fun, charming movie that probably got slammed more than it deserved to be. And Loki season two, you know, I went into it sort of like, what is what does this have to do with Loki? What is going on? And by the end, it was like, oh, that was a pretty good arc for for Loki. So, yeah, guys, what are your thoughts on? We can start with the Marvels and Loki, and kind of proceed into the rest of the Marvel universe from there. Sure, uh, Bob. Well, what do you think? Well, I mean, the thing about the MCU <laughs> is uh, it used to be opening night you had to go right you'd be really excited for whatever movie was coming out and you'd have to be there like the night, opening night thursday night you know or right. you know, at one point it was thursday night midnight show you had to be there now it's like you know well, i'll see it maybe next week or the week after like it took took me probably two weeks to see the marvels but um yeah, I mean, it's really up and down and hit and miss. And, you know, I thought they have they had some good movies. I liked Shang-Chi. I liked uh, Doctor Strange, The Multiverse of Madness. Of course, I liked Spider-Man No Way Home. But then you've got, like, The Eternals and Thor Love and Thunder and whatever. It's like, it doesn't seem to be the the consistent quality that there was in the first three phases. And those three phases had a definite buildup to Thanos and the whole, you know, infinity stones and all that. This one, it's like, I love Jonathan majors, but he kind of, you know, when he's coming into like Loki to season two, 
he's playing all these like goofy characters, goofy versions of Kang. So he's he doesn't seem like as much of a threat. Even in Ant-Man, he didn't seem like much of a threat. So you got this the big bad coming in, but is he all that big? Is he all that bad? I, you know, I don't know. He doesn't seem like he's going to take on the Avengers, you know. I mean, yeah. Ant-Man beat him, so. I think it was a misstep to have Kang beaten by Ant-Man. <laughs> yeah. That was probably not the best best way to introduce him into the, the MCU. I mean, the thing with Thanos is, he was mostly shown in post credit scenes and things. So a little bit here and a little bit there until Infinity War came along and he beats the crap out of the Hulk, beats up Thor, kills Loki. I mean, that's like, that's some heavy stuff. I can't picture yeah. Kang doing that. As much as I love Jonathan Majors, loved him in Nope, loved him in uh, Lovecraft Country. I don't know if, if Kang's really going to be all that. I I agree with you guys. Um, you know, Kang, uh, I don't know, was he, was the character, not not the actor, was the character underutilized? Was, was too much introduced too soon? Was his story not drawn out enough? Was it sped up? I think... Um, I, and I love the Marvels. I, I love the acting. I love the actresses. I think um, Samuel Jackson was back to the Nick Fury that we all know and love. Uh, Secret Invasion Fury. I, I'm <laughs> a loss for words. Well, Secret Invasion uh, started off really good for the first maybe two episodes yeah if and then that. it kind of lost its track and went all over the place and things that you were like waiting to see never materialized things that you really don't care about materialized all over the place so yeah that was just kind of definitely shit yeah that was the first major disappointment i had um probably since iron man 3 um, you know, I wasn't really all that big on Moon Knight. Moon Knight to me was interesting. I, I, I'm not a big Moon Knight reader or fan, so a lot of mythology um, I wasn't familiar with. And it was a different pace, just like Andor for Star Wars. Everyone poo-poos Andor. But to me, that was the most realistic Star Wars series we've had yet. But that that's a whole nother yeah ball of wax um uh, yeah no not not a big andor fan but um i don't know moon knight it would be it would have been nice if moon knight was in it <laughs> well it was like a second here second there kind of thing but um you know moonlight uh, moon knight the the comics i mean there was some cool stuff in there and it was none of that made it to to the series well yeah, like I say, I'm not a big reader of Moon Knight, so I, I and I know he's a popular character. Um, so I, you know, I, I, I'm not saying it's my favorite series, but I dug it, and it's it's sad that I don't think it's going to get a second season. Speaking of second seasons, Loki season two. Now, the first season to me really took Loki in places. You know, how do you de-vilify a villain? 
Um, There was something that I read where no matter what multiverse, universe, or Earth there is, in order to have Avengers, there needs to be a Loki. So, you know, when they pruned him and he goes into the void and there's all these different Lokis in season one, that was interesting to me. It was fun. Um, Season one ends, season two picks up right where it left off and all hell's breaking loose within uh, the TVA, outside the TVA, the sacred timeline is all. And um, I did have to watch a couple of episodes twice because it was too much for me to (laughs) absorb and and comprehend. Um, I had fun with the version of Kang that they introduced with the stuttering, the uncertainty, Um, but it is only a version of Kang. Um, you know, they simply needed him for his DNA to unlock whatever the loom. Right, but I mean, are they going to wait all the way till the Avengers movie to unleash the all-powerful Kang, or you know, whoever's going to be in that? Well, that, we get a little glimpse of powerful Kang between that, now. And that that's the big unknown, and and you know, we'll start getting into the speculation. But um, huge spoiler alert: the way that. Did you see the, the finale to Loki 2, Bob? I don't want to spoil it for you. Yeah, no, no. I, I saw Okay. You know, he and, and people are like, oh, the time stone is green and Loki's color is green. And he brings the timelines together. And there's the tree. I, and I'm going to butcher the pronunciation, Walker. You're going to have to help me. Yggdrasil. Yggdrasil. Thank you. <laughs> and there's Loki on his throne. And and the words that he speaks to his friends are the words that he spoke to Thor and Odin. It was at the first Thor movie, I think, or maybe the second movie. And it was a sacrifice that he made, not for himself, but for them so that they could go on with their lives. You know, and let's not forget, um, Sylvie is a, is a version of Loki. Yeah. Sylvie is Loki. She just chose to take Sylvia is that name. So that got me to thinking, what if he who remains or Kang, a, a lot of people were saying that Evie, is that what was that his name? Um, um, everything all at once, uh, the guy from Indiana Jones, I can't think of the actor's name. Oh, oh yeah. Obi, Obi instead of Ebi, Obi, <laughs> that Obi would be a version of Kang because if Sylvie could be Loki, if there's a female Loki, why couldn't there be, you know, why do all the Kings have to be just that actor? What if the but again, I mean, even though Loki is now stuck as God Loki or whatever, whatever they're calling him. There could still be another Loki out there that could come in and and there is. I mean, that, right? That that's the whole thing is that 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 was Earth three sixteen's Loki. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, one hundred and one, one hundred and two, two hundred and two, two hundred. You know, there's a multiverse of Lokis that that didn't take that or make that choice. Some pruned, some not. And that was part of the thing where it just got me like, oh, my God, this is too much to, to handle. You know, <laughs> it's not fun anymore. <laughs> well, it, it's funny because the first season of Loki, 
I really didn't care for it very much. I wasn't really interested in it much. And then when I started watching the second season, the first few episodes, I thought, well, this is sort of an interesting science fiction story, which I, I liked. Right. But at the beginning of the season, I was like, but why, why Loki? It, it could be any other character, you know, telling this story. And it wasn't until the end that it made sense that he had to, like, go through, you know, all of this experience, right, with time and with, you know, the frustrations of, like, he built actually built relationships where he cared for people. Right. You know, which had not been his thing in the past, right? He's a narcissist and everything else. And, and so he goes through all this stuff because of having to go back and forth and and finding things he cared about and developing whatever responsibility and yeah, yeah, yeah. To get to, like you're saying, that point where like he understood what it meant to sacrifice and be a real leader and all that kind of stuff. So then it, His it Groundhog like, oh. Day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So then I thought, oh, well, that was actually an interesting. Well, I mean, uh, they had that on. whole scene where he and Sylvia are sitting in the bar. And she's yeah. asking him, why are you doing all this? Mm-hmm. And he's giving her all these different answers. And she's like, no, that's not why you're, you know, she's finally like, why are you doing it? And he finally admits he missed all his friends. Mm-hmm. Loki missed a bunch of friends. I mean, mm-hmm. you wouldn't have thought that back, you know, in the first Avengers movie or any of the Thor films. But um, he did have, you know, a certain affection towards Thor. But, you know, a group of friends? Yeah, no, I don't think so. Right. But the thing is, he gets all his friends together by plucking them out of different realities, but they don't know who he is. Right. So, you know, there's not really his friends anymore. They're just random people from different timelines. And then he realizes he has to go out to save them. He's got to go out and do this himself and bring all the timelines together and all that. And, but, and once he controls his phasing, because he's phasing in and out of yeah. universes or or times, a little bit of, of both, once he harnesses that power, then he's able to go backward and forward and, and you know, bring them and try to finish this without killing Sylvia and trying to do that without sacrificing. Um, so it was... I... I will say uh of all the marvel tv shows scarlet or uh um scarlet vision yeah is my favorite wandavision sorry wandavision uh loki season two is probably my second of of the disney uh tv show Uh i i like punisher and and daredevil on on netflix um yeah probably well, anyway, um, it, it I feel it had a satisfying ending to the to the series, and a satisfying conclusion for Loki as a character. So, if I never see another movie with Loki in it, I'm I'm good with it. If they figure out a way to bring him back, um, well, I mean, we kind of felt that way. Back at the beginning of Infinity War. Yeah, he got killed. So, well, that's the end of Loki. I don't see him anymore. Yeah. Well, and, and again, that's a, that was that timeline's version of Loki. 
once they started messing with time and there were branches, mm -hmm. there were different, this goes back to the whole Hiro Nakamura um, timeline thing back on Heroes <laughs> TV show. You to bring in Heroes now. <laughs> it mean, does get very confusing, I have to say. It's a, it's a little bit overly complicated. The, the paradoxes, yeah, it, it, it just... And you, you know, again, the fun episode in season one for me, I can't think of the name, but is when they, they pruned him and he goes into the void and there's all these other, you know, there's an alligator Loki, which was, you know, <laughs> from the comic book and nod to the book. Um, there was old Loki. There was, you know, this Loki, that version of Loki, uh, you know, but very satisfying conclusion. Um so that made me think, is there hope for the MCU? You know, Guardians of the Galaxy 3 was not the best. Not, you know, I, I did cry my man tears because of the, you know, loss that Rocket um, had. But um, yeah, very schmaltzy movie. Yeah. And, and it, I think felt, it was overplayed. Yeah, it, it felt manipulative in that Spielberg at his worst kind of way right. to me. I mean, yeah. I, but then I, again, I, now it's like <clears throat> when you watch the Guardians of the Galaxy or whatever, it's like revisiting old friends. Yeah. You know, rather than some of the other films that are just like, who are these people? Or why are you messing around with these people? You know, why are you no. messing up Submariner? You know, why are you doing whatever? But... The Gamora story, the way that it ended in Guardians 3, wasn't really satisfying to me. I yeah. thought Mantis's, you know, conclusion, or her story arc, was far more satisfying the way that they, you know, gave her a nod out in, in Guardians 3. Um, you know, and, and I don't think we're here to, to cast blame you know, for successes or failures. I mean, Kevin Feige is the is the mastermind behind all of these projects, going back to the first Iron Man. Um, but I don't know. There, there. You know, we were talking a couple of episodes ago about maybe the MCU losing steam, losing direction. There was a let, let's address the the big rumor. If if there's nothing else to be said about Loki or or the Marvels, we're going to start. Well, I think you know the other thing. Other thing I'll say about the Marvels. I mean, it. You know, depending on who you talk to, it pretty much tanked. And I think a lot of it is like there's a lot of negativity towards Brie Larson for just some offhanded comments she made, and we all go into all that. But it's like people are just out to, you know make anything she does a failure. So, or they just don't want to go see it or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, you also get like, Oh, look, the rotten tomato score is so low, but yeah, I mean, it was worth seeing. I mean, it was fun. I, it wasn't, you know, the greatest Marvel film ever made, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. So I don't know, maybe it's something, maybe it'll gain steam once it hits, you know, Disney. Yeah. Club. I'll, I'll tell you one thing, and Karen can attest to this. I hate the whole concept of Young Avengers. Why have a young version of Captain America 
or Thor. And and Walker and I would go back and forth on this. But spoiler alert, at the end of Marvel's Kamala Khan is starting to recruit young Avengers. And she goes to the you know young version of Hawkeye from the Hawkeye TV series. And I thought that was so charming. And I was kind of excited to see what that movie would look like with these younger versions. Because with the Hawkeye series, one of the things I loved was Bart being, look, I'm, I'm deaf in one ear. My vision is not what it used to be. My back hurts. And, you know, all these real world problems that, that we as humans have. And, and the young, uh, oh, God, I can't think of her name person who idolized him and, and ultimately became Hawkeye, she says, but you were just a human fighting alongside gods and monsters or whatever that line was. Um, but anyway, so Young Avengers, yay! Sorry, Walker. She also Please. finishes with the line like, oh, did you hear Ant-Man has a daughter? <laughs> yeah, uh, so. <laughs> that too, for Cassie to come in. But yeah, yeah. Um, I was just, I was just going to say I do find Brie Larson kind of wooden. She's not the most expressive or charismatic actress out there. I kind of wish they had maybe found somebody a, a little more, I don't know, exciting or maybe more, um, I don't know, you know, that comes across on the same level as some of the other actors they brought in for these lead roles because she just... I don't know. She just always seems, I don't know if she's trying to play it like, Hey, I'm really cool. And I keep my emotions bottled up or whatever, but it just comes across really flat for me. Well, she had a chance to loosen up a little bit in the marbles. A little bit. Yeah. It was a little bit. I liked her better in this than in any of the previous performances. So. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, Captain Marvel made what a billion dollars at the box office. So rather than going with that formula, they were being, I I believe, very ballsy to say, hey, let's expand it and let's do this. And one of the things that Marvel does, MCU, either successfully or not so successfully, is to build the franchise. And, And it kind of struck me that, wow, I really like the idea of Young Avengers, but that's what that movie concluded with. Not with the coming of Kang, not with, but... Here, well, well, I think I think it was funny too how she just sits there, acting like Nick Fury, and yeah. almost saying his his lines word for word from the original Iron Man. Yeah, she has a lot of charisma. That no, she was, character she was probably the best part of the movie. Yeah, yeah she's very. I, I agree. I will say though that one of the I think one of the big problems with Phase Four and now going into Phase Five. Is that like none of these, for the most part, none of these things really connect in any tangible way. Like when you look at the first three phases, like the, the they they had a plan and they stuck to it, right? So it was like, okay, we're going to introduce the individual Avengers. We, you know, we'll introduce Iron Man. We'll introduce Thor. We'll introduce Cap. You know, we'll we'll have an Avengers movie, and then we'll have second movies, and we'll have another Avengers, and we'll be starting to see idea of Thanos. And, you know, then they built, managed to build all of that up to the Infinity War. So they, it felt logical and well-constructed and everything. 
Whereas well, like phase four and five, if you ask me like, well, what's the connections? What's the underlying structure? Where's it going? It's kind of like, I don't know. I, I mean, to me, it's like they started to introduce some characters, but where's the second Shang-Chi movie? I don't know, you know, and how, why did it take so long to get another Captain Marvel movie? She was supposed to be really important. Took forever to get another one of those. I think None it's of the, the TVs, thing I mean, the why, pandemic. Well, I do think, you know, pandemic impacted some of the shows, like the Falcon and the Winter Soldier show. Some of the stuff they planned for it involved a virus. And then it was like, oh, crap, we don't want to do that because we're going through a pandemic. So they had to change the storyline. And yeah, it wasn't really thought out. Like, why do an Eternals movie? What did it serve? Yeah, was... What purpose did it serve? You know, so so overall, it just feels like it's not. And they're saying, well, you know, Kang's going to be the big bad and he's going to have this multi huge multiverse thing. And it's all going to come together in phase six. But right now, it just looks like a big mess, you know. So that's kind of my take on these two phases and why maybe it's not. People aren't feeling it. Plus a lot of secondary characters, right? That nobody's heard of and really cares that much about. Well, you know? yeah, I mean, if, if you go back, I think the big mistake, in my opinion, my humble opinion, was killing off Iron Man and sweeping Cap to the side. You know, and it's okay, so Sam Wilson's taking over as Captain America. I'm willing to give that a chance. Um you know, Ironheart. Yeah, I don't know. You know, maybe, maybe they had Rhodey. I mean, Rhodey was Iron Man in the comics for a while, mm-hmm. when Tony Stark was trying to dry out and he was having his uh, alcohol problems, and Rhodey took over as Iron Man. They could do something like that, um, but but then again, he's a scroll, right? No, that's terrible. But so, we can get into the the problem issues. But, you know, I mean, DC is not going to turn around and kill off Batman and Superman. They'll just recast. They'll just recast, which is what Marvel should have done. I think they should have. I think there's enough characters to fill the spaces of Iron Man and Captain America without directly filling those shoes like they could have promoted Doctor Strange more, or they. what I really think should have happened is Black Panther, they should have recast and elevated that character to more of a leadership role to take Iron Man's place, you know? But for whatever reason, and I understand they, they have a lot of respect for Chadwick Boseman, and I think that's great. However, I think that that character of T'Challa is so important and so integral to the Marvel Universe that they needed to find somebody else to play him. Well, even even Chadwick Boseman's family said, go ahead and recast it because it was such an important movie and such an important character to, you know, yeah. a lot of the, the black kids and things mm-hmm. that watched it. And it's like, so yeah, I mean, why not? And they kind of, you know, okay, they, they let Shuri be Black Panther, but then at the end, you find out that T'Challa's son is there. So, okay, he's probably going to grow up at some point and become 
Black Panther, but are they gonna shoot him with some sort of growth hormone? <laughs> well, the way they bounce around in time and stuff, they could they could bring him. Yeah. No, they can do anything. But um, yeah, you don't really have any centralized focused characters anymore. And you know, you I mean, Spider Man is like the flagship of Marvel, so he should have a bigger role. He should mature to the point where he doesn't need Tony Stark and he doesn't need whatever. And maybe he's going to in the next movie. Um, and then, you know, Dr. Strange, they could focus more on. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, maybe Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi was a good movie and I thought he was a good character. Now, if they could at least get a sequel out, then he could build up enough to become a centralized part of it. And you still got Thor and you still got Hulk, but they're not really doing anything except for silly Thor movies. But yeah. now that they've shown Taika Waititi the door, hopefully uh, maybe we can get a, another Thor movie that's halfway decent. You know, I, I agree with you. And I think, you know, the, the real problem is, is that after a third movie, depending on how successful the star and the movie and the director are, it starts becoming cost prohibitive to do a fourth, fifth and sixth mm -hmm. film. Um, you know, the simple fact that Robert Downey Jr. is not coming back to the role of Iron Man is they can't afford. Maybe he doesn't want to do it. Maybe he's done everything that, you know, he feels he could do with the character. He's he's pulling a Jimmy Page, if you will. No, no more. <laughs> Led Zeppelin. You mean Robert Plant? Robert Plant, sorry. Yeah, Robert Plant. Um, I don't know. I, I think, you know, a lifelong fan of DC and Marvel, that there are, like Karen said, there are other characters that can come up. Look, Hawkeye ran the Avengers for a while. Um, Hawkeye started the West Coast Avengers or, you know, moved over there. There was talk of bringing Wonder Man, not one of my favorite characters, you know, into the fold. What the hell happened to the Vision? We we haven't, nothing, yeah. you know, Wanda went rogue. Right. Well, There's we got all white vision. Ends. We just need to paint him up a little bit. <laughs> we have loose ends. We've got this white vision running around. Where is he? What's going on with him? Nobody knows. We've got this gigantic frozen celestial in the Indian Ocean. Has anybody talked about that? I don't know what's going on with that. The, the U.S. declared war on the scrolls that are like over a million of them on earth over a million what's, and they have a super it? scroll now and that was the other thing we've got this super scroll running around who has the powers of like captain marvel thor hulk what what's the deal with that i don't know do you know what the deal is with that so there's like all these different weird loose ends floating around we still don't know no one has said captain america is dead no they're they're steve rogers no one said he's dead He's on the moon. Some people said he he's on the moon. No one knows what's going on with him, so we don't know that. There's like, and there's tons more. Uh, you know, if you watch YouTube, hi YouTube. Um, what, look at the videos to the left and right of us, and it's probably MCU videos where people are cranking out all their theories and stuff. But there's like a zillion loose ends and things that don't make sense, right? So. Well, add to that, yeah. introducing mutants to the MCU. Well, rather than introducing them on Earth 3, 13, 16, whatever, 
3.1416. Well, that, that may be the savior of the MCU. Yes. Get the X-Men in there, get the Fantastic Four in there, and do it right. Well, that's the thing, Bob, to do it right. I mean, they thought Kang was going to be the savior. It hasn't happened yet. My, my thing is, they're bringing the mutants in from another universe because they can't exist in ours? They haven't well, been here? Kamala Khan is a mutant, though. She is, and they stated as much, but why is the Beast... Uh, and, and I don't I, know, maybe... I don't maybe. know. I mean, I think, I think because they have the multiverse, it's kind of their excuse to do everything. Yeah, and, be careful with that, though. Yeah, but I mean, it's like, okay, so the Fantastic Four were around since the 60s. Well, where are they? Where have they been all these years? Well, I guess they're in another dimension, and they'll eventually... And they are, because in Doctor Strange, Reed Richards was in whatever Earth that was, alongside Professor X. So there was the Fantastic Four and the X-Men right there. So that's... I assume how they're going to bring these things in. Cause I don't think they're going to say, you know, I don't think they're going to do a fantastic four origin film where their origin starts in 2025 or whatever. No, that would be a mistake. And, you know, Jay and I have always talked about them needing to do a period piece mm-hmm. for the fantastic four. And then that would have been great. I mean, that would be cool. Galactus, Anelius, someone does a time portal vortex, whatever. And they get sucked into, you know, a la uh, unfrozen, a la Captain America somehow, some way. Yeah, yeah they, I mean, they um, did well with Captain America, but see now, yeah. Chris Evans, <clears throat> he said he wouldn't, he would be willing to come back as Captain America, but it had to be the right story. Right. He wants the, the character to have the integrity in it. They can't just slap something together. Right. Now everybody wants like a Disney Plus series now. They're not going to be afford be able to afford Chris Evans for a Disney Plus series, but they want the story of him going back and returning the stones, yeah. returning the hammer. You know what happened, all you know during all that time and his decision to stay with uh, to stay with Peggy and all that. Okay. Um, yeah, at least it's because you can't really do a new movie with Captain America because he's an old man. But, but there's there's so many other things you could do. I feel like people suck all the the mystery and intrigue out of things. It's just like everybody wanted for years and years. We want to know Wolverine's origin. We want to know it. Then they finally tell the story and it was like so goddamn boring. It was like it was so much better when we didn't know things about Wolverine. Like we just didn't really know his whole origin. You know, it's like, well, he's really old. He's been around a long time. Apparently he was in Japan for a while. He speaks Japanese. And wow, at some point he was grabbed and, oh, they put the metal in his butt, you know, and you learn little pieces here and there, but you never have. And then they tell this whole story about how he was a little kid and growing up. And it was just like, ah, Jesus, it's just terrible. And and I feel like this is the problem now. Everybody wants every little thing filled in and there's no mystery, you know? And it's like, it's better to have some mystery. Let me tell you, when I filled in my wife of my origin story, that would, there goes the mystery. I I, I was going to say, you know, keep some mystery, Larry. Have some mystery in your life. She doesn't need to know about, you know, the situation in, in Budapest. Yeah, exactly. 
I, I completely agree with you. I mean, there are some stories like the Fantastic Four. Yes, we're there for the origin of that, you know, hero. And, and that's fine. But the intrigue and the mystery was part of who Wolverine was. You know, Weapon X suddenly appears in, in a Hulk I- I issue. You know, the Wendigo's there. Whoa. Oh, if they could do that story... That would be such a great way to introduce him to the Marvel Unit. Now, they're doing Deadpool 3 and I know. all that. But if they brought in a new actor to play Wolverine and, and like, hey, this is a story from years ago when the Hulk was, you know, berserk and crazy. And, yeah. you know, he was running around Canada and he had those characters in it. That would be so amazing to do. Uh, well, so that's I would the thing, love- too, because there are so many like really good Marvel stories. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that they could make movies out of, and it's like eh, they ignore them and do whatever. But I mean, I would. Lo- I mean, they go and they made that solo Craven movie that's coming out. Oh. But wouldn't you rather see a movie of Craven's Last Hunt, where he basically hunts Spider Man and buries him in a grave? Well, Bob, I mean. Bob. How can you have a Craven movie without Spider-Man? How can you have a Venom movie with how could you have Madam Webb? Oh my god, I just not who even wants to see it. That's why Marvel needs to get the Spider-Man rights away from Sony, because Sony's just doing crazy shit over there. Morbius. Oh, it. I tried to watch Morbius. I got through about 15 minutes of that movie. You got through more than I did. Oh, Five minutes, I'm out. So bad. So in the theater, we had to sit through the whole thing. Oh, oh. <laughs> I hope you had a lot of popcorn. Um, yeah, I mean, they wanted to do a Sinister Six movie without Spider-Man. Yeah. It's just... Idiotic. Yeah. Why? Um, well, um, so, yeah, I mean, like I say, there are definitely some really good, deep stories in the Marvel comics mm-hmm. that make great movies, but well, that's they seem the to kind of focus on the, the ultimate comics. Yeah, and I think that's they a problem. Ignore all the rich history of all the older comics. I mean... Yeah, you know, they're trying to do Secret Wars and they're trying to do the uh, newer version of it, which is, you know, another colossal saga. And I'd almost rather see them, you know, kind of what I would rather have seen them do maybe is pick up things after the blip, maybe have more street level characters like Spider-Man and Daredevil. Uh, Because you imagine there would be a lot of organized crime after the blue well, unlike Hawkeye had a lot of, there was a lot of organized crime stuff going on. So I right. think I'd rather see more of that. I would rather have liked to see that. Maybe they could have brought in the Kingpin and some other, uh, you know, like mafia type figures from the Marvel universe. And you could have even had, I mean, that could have been a way if you wanted to start introducing the Fantastic Four, you know, you could have had Dr. Doom pre his accident be like this benevolent figure from Latveria saying, oh, we have all these scientific things to help the rest of the world. Maybe you bring in Reed Richards and, you know, do the Fantastic Four that way. But to just go and jump into like, now they're doing this big multiverse and all this other stuff. It just seems like they're trying to top something that you can't really top. You know, I agree. I think one of the things that worked so well, and and even after, 
you know, all these years of the MCU, um, the second Captain America film to me. Yeah, it's still my favorite. Just wonderful story. And and there was little or no galactic multiverse, uh, you know, it was it was very character and story driven. And I think, you know, maybe, well, like with Kamala Khan, I mean, a very um, fun character focused on this mission, not to defeat time, space, not worrying about incursions, just I'm going to build a team, you know, and and go with that. Um, everything doesn't have to be super intergalactic, I, I think. Well, I think for the most part, they seem to be going back to that with Spider-Man. Yeah, which is great. It's like, you know, no one knows who Peter Parker is. They kind of wiped that whole thing out. And now he's in an apartment. He's got to get rent. He's got to, you know, he's, he's all alone. You know, he doesn't have Aunt May, but, um, you know, he's got to find his way. Had to stitch up a new costume. He couldn't yeah. have Stark Tech make a costume for him. Uh, who knows if he even has that Iron Spider costume anymore. Right. And uh, so, yeah, he's kind of back to basics, which I loved the ending of that movie because of that. Mm -hmm. So hopefully the next film will be something more along the lines of, you know, Spider-Man against the Scorpion or, you know, something, you know, down to earth. But... And of course, he'll go cosmic again whenever they do Secret Wars or Kang Dynasty or whatever. He's going to be one of the Avengers, so he'll have his big his big stories there. But hopefully, the Spider-Man movies will be more focused. Let me ask you guys. I, I have a question, um, and and I'll 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 be selfish. I'll give my answer before I let you guys answer. But if you were to make a tweak or a change. In, in an MCU, either an individual franchise uh, or a story. Like one of the things I always thought would benefit Spider-Man or, or, you know, maybe uh, Captain America, the Avengers is to do like James Bond and, and Spider-Man's just finishing wrapping webbing around the rhino and giving a nice little quip. And then the next story dealing with Norman Osborn or whoever starts I think that it, one of the things that I love about the Bond movies is that little like, oh, I just finished this and now, oh, we're going to, you know, begin the story for this film. Uh, that opening scene. Right? Yeah. Yeah. If you will. Because, you know, we have the post credit stuff and, and all that works really well. But that's something that I would kind of add. If, if they were to say, Larry, we're going to give you some of our IP. Go ahead and play with the with the MCU Legos and do your thing. Um, do you guys have something that you think you'd add to the stew to kind of spruce it up a little? So you would want Spidey to like defeat a lesser foe. Yeah. The scorpion. And then like, you know, a couple animated webs come up, thwip, thwip. And he comes swinging through the middle and yeah, he puts a nice note on them. And off it goes. Yeah. A nice note saying courtesy of your friendly neighborhood, Spider-Man, you know, and then, um, yeah, you know, I I always go back to Thor and it's like I'd love to see more mythological adventures with Thor. 
like in the other realms with the heroes three and what you know yeah and just not like screaming goats and whatever <laughs> it's just you know have a you know you could do a thor film that's almost like like 300 or something right you know you could do this epic battle type thing and not sit there and worry about you know about all these goofy characters and whatever i mean i've yet i mean ragnarok was kind of right on the edge there but i've yet to see what i really consider a faithful thor film because mm-hmm. i used to love reading the thor comics and it was because it was all mythology and yeah yeah he he'd have to go to earth and fight the absorbing man here and there but um you know off he goes to asgard and he has all these mythological adventures and teams up with balder and the rest of them and ah balder the brave yeah the first the first thor and the second thor he I mean, he spent time in Asgard and he went to Jotunheim. And so they they like kind of did that stuff. And then I think they felt like, oh, audiences don't connect with it. We've got to, you know, it's too, it's the same sort of thing I feel like with Guardians of the Galaxy. Like they, it's, I don't know if there's a perception that like audiences won't connect with straight up space fantasy. So they've got to make it goofy and funny, you know, that you couldn't just have like space adventure um so let's make it goofy you know because there's a lot of good space characters they could use but they've basically well most of them now they've had in guardians of the galaxy and turned them all into a bunch of like laughing stocks so oh i thought the first guardians of the galaxy movie was great i thought it was a good balance yeah Um, i mean i think for what they're going for it's good i just think that it's mostly played for laughs. So a lot of those characters, but you have to understand, I mean, a lot of those characters to me were characters that I read, you know, when I was really young and were very serious and they, you know, like Drax, they turned into kind of a numbskull and, you know, this was- Yeah, but I mean, they took to the general public minor secondary characters and put them together in a film that appealed to everyone. And they haven't been able to recreate that formula ever since, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they couldn't do it with Eternals. And, they, you know, it's like... I still have no idea why they thought Eternals was a, a good project to, to move forward. <laughs> like, how did that progress the Marvel Universe? How did that... Did they think those characters would be ones like even comics fans, most comics fans like they may know about the Eternals, but there's not a lot of people out there going, oh, man, I just the Eternals is my thing. I love the Eternals. You know, it's not one of those books that people are just crazy about. So it it may not be millions of people, but I tell you, I, I read, you know, we all have Twitter and, you know, Facebook and stuff. There are fans out there like you, Walker, like, you know, I read the Eternals and, and that's not, you know, the version that I read in the I book. Know. And I read those too and, and everything. But I just think like if they 
you know, there's so many other characters and stories to tell. It it just boggles my mind that that was what they went with. But to go back to your question. Yes. Oh, yeah. I think yeah. you both had great ideas. I love both of those ideas. And, I, and when I was a kid, I loved Thor for a lot of the reasons you said, Bob, because like one issue, he'd be in Asgard. Another issue, he'd be on Earth. Then he'd be in outer space. He'd be in that Viking ship in outer space, which I always thought was great. Um, but you couldn't do that now because people would laugh at it. So, um, which they did. They they already did that. Um, I was just thinking back to like when we were talking about like Hulk fighting Wolverine and the Wendigo, and like there's so many individual stories like that. And I would love to see them just have like a. I don't think they could do it on TV because I don't think they would have the budget for it. But like these one shot movies where they could tell stories like that, you know, where it just like we're just going to tell this story. Of, and it's may it's sort of a Hulk movie, but it's got Wolverine and, you know, these other characters in it. Would, or, would uh, you be opposed to like a what if kind of animated format or do you think it would? I want to see better. I, I want to see this stuff in live action because I've seen some animated Hulk versus Wolverine, and you know yeah, that's cool, I, but but I want to see the live action stuff, you know. See Marvel, <laughs> at least before, they had it down with the live action, whereas DC, their strength was the animated films, mm-hmm. right? and uh, and yeah, I mean, you look at some of the Marvel animated films, and it's like, yeah, you know, whatever. But yeah, but DC had it going in animation and. Marvel had it going in live action, and I think Marvel kind of—I don't know—they drifted away from their, from what works, basically. If, Do we if still guys- go in Marvel comics? Growing up, reading the comics and all that, yes, there was a lot of that. Was what Marvel was known for was humor in the comics. Well, oh. Spidey making quips as he's fighting villains or what have you, but. They did it well in the early films, but then I don't know if they thought the audiences really wanted to see that, and it just got progressively more and more humorous to the point where it kind of lost it. It lost any sense of danger or any sense of, um, you know of a threat because it's all this slapstick comedy at this point. Mm -hmm. I think there was lightheartedness in, in the first Iron Man film, the second Iron Man film. I don't recall the third one because I, I haven't watched it that much. There, you know, little bits of humor, obviously the Spider-Man, the quips and stuff like that. Um, Again, getting back to Captain America, man, that, you know, you could have like a really serious, you know, movie that that dealt with, you know, big things, big ideas. And it didn't have to be like, oh, you know, we have a cosmic threat. I think um, the first Doctor Strange movie worked well, really well for me as well. And this last Spider-Man, I mean, Peter Parker is a hero, but he has a lot of loss, in in his personal life that he deals with um you know one of the famous covers is him taking off the mask and throwing it in the trash i mean it's like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm done um what is Better the man. Balance? What, 
you know, what makes the money for Marvel? I think that's, you know, always going to be the question. What demographics, do, you know, do they go for old farts like us? I mean, the seasoned uh, viewers like ourselves or, you know, the the teenagers. Or the well, they have to go for the younger audience. All movies have to go for the younger audience because that's the audience coming up. Can't lose them, but they have to do it in a way that it doesn't alienate us old farts that read all the comics and whatever. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, but I think they did. I think they really, you know, the whole phase one, two, three, I think fine. They did it. They did it well. And then they kind of lost course after that. You know, I think there were hiccups in, in the phases, Iron Man three, Thor two, um, you can go back and look at them now and be like, oh, okay, Diamond in the Rough, you know, just like some old Star Trek episodes, these original series. It's like, ah, Spock's brain wasn't that bad. It was um, bad. What's that? It was bad. <laughs> the only you thing, know, you know, I watched Iron Man 3. Iron Man 3 takes place at Christmas. So, you yeah. know, this is the season that you could actually watch that again. Yeah. Um, just treat it as a Christmas movie and watch it. The only, you know, my only problem with, was Iron Man 3, and I thought it was good, but it's just the way they handled the Mandarin. Mm -hmm. Mandarin was such a good villain, and he's basically, you know, treated as comic filler, basically. I, I think they uh, used Sir Ben uh, better, his character of the Mandarin, in Shang-Chi than they did in Iron Man 3. <laughs> Yeah, but he's not... That was a good example of humor working in the MCU, I think. But even in Shang-Chi, the Mandarin really wasn't handled as it so should. The, the real Mandarin, the... Real yeah. Mandarin. <clears throat> yeah. Not the Ringo Starr version, but... For, for us, but for that generation, you know what I mean? That's gets back to that yeah. balance thing. Well, and then I was, I was thinking the other day about... Shang-Chi because we were you know going to do the podcast and like they souped him up I mean he could have been a great street level character too like they, if they were doing street level stories he's a great street level character but now he is like uber powered cosmic, with these yeah. rings so he's another co cosmic level like they felt the need to take a great street level character and well, so to do a street level character like that if they recast Iron Fist and brought him back. Mm. Yeah, he could definitely be a street level. Yeah. Superhero. And who knows what they're going to do with Daredevil. I mean, Daredevil doesn't have yeah. superpowers. He can't, you know, he doesn't have cosmic abilities or anything. So he does have to kind of be, you know, Hell's Kit, the devil of Hell's Kitchen. But I don't know what was wrong or what went wrong, but Obviously, you know, they scrapped his series and now they're like, re they re I think they shot like seven or eight episodes. And now they're going back and reshooting like 80% of the stuff in there. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. things like that that just make me worry about. Was it too gritty and they want it to be more comedic? Or did it get comedic and they want it to be more gritty? I well, mean, it, it just should never have progressed that far, right? Somebody... If they had misgivings about thing, I mean, it should have been caught in the script stage and not, you know, not filming. So there was an article I read that 
uh, you know, the big wigs at Disney are thinking that the MCU properties are not doing well because there's not enough executives involved in oh, the decision making no, I... and the production. Plus and I think people Daredevil, say... huh? I see that or people say superhero fatigue. But well, I don't think and, it's superhero fatigue because look how how well the last Spider-Man did. And and the um, the Spider-Man uh, Into the Spider-Verse, those films are phenomenal. Um, I, I think Daredevil is the first uh, problem we're going to see where more executives think they needed to get involved and make decisions on what worked, what didn't work. So we'll see where De- Daredevil takes us. I think I think they're in a total panic. Yeah, they are. Because here's their cash cow, and suddenly it's not pulling in the billions that it was before. Right. And it's like, okay, well, now the executives have to step in and say, how do we fix this? You know? And, uh, you know, you have to pinpoint what the problem was to begin with, but that's not something executives do. You know, they're just going to jump in with whatever their opinions are and say, change this, do that, whatever. Anything right. made by committee is almost inevitably crap. So, yeah. yeah. You know, and, and just speaking for myself, I don't think I'm suffering from hero fatigue. I think I'm suffering from good story, lack of fatigue mm-hmm. um, when it comes to some of these properties. Uh, you know, Bob is the only one of the three of us that's seen Blue Beetle. I don't think I will see it even when it's on one of the streaming services. Um, I'm not excited about the new Aquaman movie. Um, I don't know what is the next Marvel property coming out. Captain America? Uh, is I, that going to be? I think next year. Well, you know, they've changed the schedule a number of times. Yeah. They? Yeah. Because wasn't wasn't there supposed to be a film out this another film out this year and they pushed it back? I think Marvels. I think was there's only going to be like one movie next year. I yeah, Marvels was finishing out the year, but I I might be wrong. They um, had moved Marvels. Well, the Marvels got pushed way back because of the yeah. pandemic. Yeah. But, yeah, I think Captain uh, Marvel maybe. I mean, Captain America maybe the only Marvel movie ne- scheduled for next year. And then you know with the strike over now that is going to push yeah things you know <clears throat> i do think that that well you know obviously they need good stories but having characters like the x-men or the fantastic four could help a lot because having those kind of a-list characters and then it opens you up to a whole lot of other really good storylines um well, and I, I'm sure they want to be careful not to put the Fantastic Four in a Love and Thunder story, because that'll just like taint the franchise before it, you know. I think they realize after all the misfires at Fox that they need to get this right. Yeah. Hey, someone somewhere thought Love and Thunder was right. Someone well, agreed. Yeah, I mean, do, someone... do they have the people that can get it right? I mean, yeah, I exactly. Well, here, here's the big question too. Since Bob Iger's sticking his nose in everything, can Bob Iger save the MCU and Star Wars? Or is he going to get in there and muck it up? I don't know, you know enough what? about him to have a sense of what he will do. But yeah, yeah. it's it's like a, a judgment. Like, you know, we used to think that, um, oh gosh, I'm, I'm blanking. 
Kevin Feige, we used to think that Kevin Feige could do no wrong, right? That his sense of what was good and what made sense and what would be a, a big hit, you know, was infallible. But then, yeah, we get Thor, Love and Thunder and some of these other things. So clearly he, if he's, he's either not coming up with good decisions or he's taking his hands off the steering wheel or something. So, right. know, there was rumor that Feige's working on a Star Wars film. So did he his attention? I think they pulled him off of that. From, okay, like, so no, you go back, you concentrate on on the Marvel stuff. But I think on the Star Wars side, at least they've got Dave Filoni now as what like chief creative officer or something. So he's yeah. kind of the Feige of Star Wars now. He's got you know, Ian Favreau. What's so funny is like, no matter what decisions are made or who's put in charge of things, there are always those people who are going to complain about it. Because like, as soon as like the day- Like us today. Well, yeah. (laughs) But like the Dave Filoni announcement was made and I saw, you know, all these people on Twitter and what have you go, oh my God, you know, he's the worst. He's, He's making his own universe. He's not following Lucas's design and blah, blah, blah. And it's just like- there's no satisfying people. Well, right? He was the one that got the blessing by Lucas to take over everything. Yeah, he absolutely did. So they complain yeah. about Ahsoka. Ahsoka was George Lucas's character. He came up with her, not Filoni. I mean, you can't have a universe in stasis. You can't always keep it just like, well, this is what George said. And it's just right here, you know, or else it's like, well, OK, we'll just keep watching this same little thing here. It's like. At yeah. some point, you want to expand, right? But now we're talking about Star Wars. <laughs> well, I think we've probably crapped enough on the Marvel Cinematic Universe for one day. Do you, do you still have hope for the MCU? I, you know, my, my only hope is, is future Spider-Mans and the Fantastic Four. Not an X-Men fan. I was never a big X-Men fan, but... Um, you know, I mean, hey, if they can bring them in and they work and they do it well, that's great too. But I think the keys in my vision is basically Spider-Man and Fantastic Four. And those were always the two flagship titles for Marvel Comics. So, you know, you got to get those right. Back in the 70s. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a reason why they put Spider-Man on every single cover of every single Marvel comic. (laughs) You know, the corner is always his face or, you know, him standing there. Spidey's still the the number one. He's it. Chris Claremont did an amazing job with the X-Men. I mean, there were were so many X-Men titles, it wasn't even funny during the 80s and I think into the 90s. So we'll see. I'm excited for the Young Avengers. I, I hope Kamala that is Khan such a turnaround, dude. Comes back and and really, I know, I know. Um, but I'm listening to Robert Plant uh, on my off time too. So, with his world music. music? <laughs> How about the Thunderbolts? Thunderbolts. I never read the book, so I. You know, there's rumor of a Red Hulk coming to the MCU. There's um echo is coming you know tv program you no know, i wasn't interested in echo until i saw the commercial and kingpin was in it and i was like okay yeah <laughs> uh, onafree is a is a fantastic kingpin i, I just uh 
Oh yeah, no, he's he's good. I'm glad they brought him back. Yeah, he's he's a plus. Um, you know, if if I don't see a She-Hulk season two, I'm not going to shed a tear. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm curious to see where they're going to go with Captain America. I I like Sam, you know, as a hero, and and you know, hopefully Bucky's still involved. Um, will we visit Latvertia? I mean, eventually. Um, I tell you what, I'd love to see a, like I said, how Spider-Man's going to like flip, flip the scorpion and then start the story. Let the Fantastic Four defeat the Mole Man and then <laughs> go out. <laughs> then they can do Dr. Doom and Galactus. <laughs> yeah. Get the Mole Man in there first. Yeah, <laughs> start small. Um, let's see where Dr. Strange goes. I mean, there's there's still more story to tell and um you know i i think they need some some new ideas and and some fresh blood in that bullpen at the mcu um so i'm i'm hopeful fill out a job application (laughs) i should we all should (laughs) i think our days of young blood are long over so well i'll I'll tell you what my (laughs) friends uh we're coming towards the end of uh 2023 and uh, at some point in 2024, the road to the apocalypse will return. And uh, <laughs> get your dragon mobile ready, Bob, because you guys are going to fire up and uh, head right into the devil's anus. I've already started working on that uh, apocalyptic uh, okay. future. <laughs> Looking forward to it. <laughs> I feel like we've already lived out Soylent Green, so. I, I don't have much fear for the apocalypse now. <laughs> um, any last thoughts, uh, comments on uh, our beloved MCU? I, not me. I think we pretty much we're good. Covered everything. <laughs> as long as they don't make the thing like a twelve-year-old midget from portugal or something like weird like that (laughs) you know you can do a lot of different things with casting but i like a certain level of like keeping the characters like you know you want cg or you want man in a suit i think they have to do cg because he's too complicated to do i mean you know they've tried costumes before and it's like yeah. Mixed results. You know, if if you're gonna put a, a small person in the MCU, I I put my money on a puck. So. Yeah. Wow. Alpha flight. We'll see. I haven't if, thought, yeah. I haven't thought about alpha. alpha flight. I don't. I haven't heard people saying, "Let's do an alpha flight movie." <laughs> There's a lot of Canadians, eh? Yeah. But you're well, at That's some right. point, before <laughs> Ruffalo gets too old. And they retire the whole Hulk character. I want to see Hulk versus the Thing. Well, that'd, that'd be cool. nice. That would be really cool. Kind of like yeah. the uh, Hulk versus the the Hulk armor. You know, mm-hmm. Stark's uh, Hulk smashing armor or whatever. Those, those were always great a great fight. fight. So you picture something like that with Hulk and the Thing. Totally. What I always liked about those is you knew that the thing was outmatched, but he's had so much heart and he just kept going. And you kept thinking like, maybe there's some way he'll like 
outmaneuver Hulk or he'll or figure outthink out. him. Right. You know, because he was just the underdog. I always yeah, loved yeah. it. The thing is with the Hulk, it's like the more you piss him off, the stronger he gets. So, right. Almost yeah, like, you'd have to balance like hitting the Hulk and tickling him so that it offsets. Is that one of your maneuvers? That's right. <laughs> Watch out. Marvel, I'm I'm waiting. Give me the call. I'll, I'll turn the ship around. <laughs> All right, my friends. Well, uh, this was a lot of fun. Um, hopefully you guys enjoyed it as much as we did. <laughs> it's time for us to get into our sensor sweep segment of the show, uh, where we show you the latest and greatest items that have come across uh, our desks and or shows that we're watching, books that we're reading. Uh, um, who wants to start us off? I would love to. Oh, Thank go you. Ahead. Why don't you go? Very timely product placement here. <laughs> we should be getting paid. Yeah. <laughs> Marvel Studios, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, an official timeline. For those of you on YouTube, watching us on YouTube, there are pictures and um, things. And this book kind of follows the sacred timeline concept <laughs> as presented in Loki. And Miss Minutes actually starts off the book. I don't have the page bookmark. She's very naughty. Oh, I tell you. But uh, it, it's a great book. It it puts everything into linear time. So the coming of the Celestials, the creation of the Infinity Stones, no mention of mutants or the Fantastic Four. So at some point, I'm sure they're going to update this book. <laughs> but everyone and everything is in that book up to the year 2025. And I guess some of the shows that they did this year and last year were actually uh, put in the future. So um, it was a lot of fun. I didn't get to read it all before the show, but I did do some, uh, some reading to kind of get into uh, tonight's episode. So get a chance. It's on Amazon. Uh, this one I got at Costco. Uh, so uh, do your best to find it. It's the giving season. You can get one for yourself or your friends or family. Very cool. And uh, Walker, you have a little something, something. I have a book. A book. Ooh. It's called Marvel, Marvel Comics. Comics. The Untold Story by Sean Howe. Uh, this is a, a lengthy tome that goes over the history of Marvel Comics from the humble beginnings to the, uh, I don't know, 90s or 2000s. It's very well written. Sean Howe's a very good writer. And uh, if you're on Twitter, you might interact with him. Nice guy. Uh, the the thing about this book to me, it it was a real eye-opener. I will say that if you had this vision of like Marvel in the 60s as a bunch of really happy folks all hanging around in a bullpen together, it might shatter some illusions to read the book. <laughs> but it's a, it's actually a really great history about, you know, how all these different books and concepts and things came together, what was going on economically, uh, you know, putting the, the books together together. Um, 
the business side of things and stuff. So um, highly recommended if you are a fan of Marvel Comics to get Marvel Comics and Told Story. Very good. And we are, despite this episode. Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) What do you got for us, Chief? Well, you know, everybody's showing off so many books lately. People are, readers and listeners are going to think we're like really scholarly or something. But (laughs) um, I haven't really done a lot of buying lately. Um, I got some things coming, but they're not here yet. Oh, Maybe next episode. Next episode. I did, since I don't really have much Marvel wear, I did wear my, uh, my alien Christmas shirt. (laughs) <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I'd call it a Christmas sweater. It's supposed to look like a sweater, but it's, you know, it's printing on a heavy shirt. So, yeah. but it's comfortable. I like it. Um, yeah. And then uh, Lieutenant Debbie and I have been going all the way back to fear the first episode of Fear the Walking Dead and making our way up. Oh. At least to where she started watching. But, um, yeah, I mean, like The Walking Dead, it flows so much better when you're not watching one episode a week and having a six-month break between half season, half seasons or whatever the heck it was. But um, <laughs> it's definitely a lot of stuff that I forgot. You know, I mean, it's been, what, it was – on for eight years and we're just getting to season four. So, you know, this is stuff I haven't watched in four or five years. So um, it's been good. And then as a family, we went to Godzilla minus one this last weekend. And uh, yeah, as as fans of the podcast probably know, because I've talked about it before, I saw it with my sci-fi Japan partner, Keith Aiken, at the red carpet premiere down in uh, in L.A. And so I've been wanting to see it again. So we saw it again this weekend. Still holds up. I think it's a great film. It's doing, for what it is, it's doing gangbusters at the, oh, at the yeah. box office. Uh, no complaints from Toho, I'm sure. It yeah. got extended for an extra week. Yeah. And um, it even, well, I read today, that on the Monday after the opening weekend, it did like 1.23 million, which put it up above Beyonce. <laughs> right on. In your Queen face. Because if you remember last episode, I was saying, yeah, F Beyonce. But <laughs> what she chased it out of the IMAX, right? Yeah, yeah. She took over most of the IMAX screens. Mm-hmm. It's on a few. I am going to see it on IMAX before the end of the run, but. Um, yeah, no, I just, I love the movie. That's all I can say. And I know Larry saw it. Bob, I have a question. Did you cry? No, I don't really cry. Neither does my wife. Maybe I'm not overly emotional about things. Oh my God. I I just, I cried like a baby (laughs) two or three times. How many, how many tissues did you go through? I brought my hanky. Hanky. Okay. So I had my. Hanky. Although I have to say, when he fires his ray for the first time, and you see the buildup where his spikes actually raise up, yeah, out of his back and light up, and then they all come down at once and boom, out it comes. 
And it's like a nuclear explosion. He stands there for like five minutes admiring it. It's like, it's just See, like that was the thing is I was everything. Yeah, well, if, whether he was admiring it or if he was like, "Holy shit, that came out of me," you know. But he, <laughs> yeah, well, either way, I, he was. Know, yeah, he was standing there. Look like, what I did. And one of the parts that you know, I didn't boohoo cry, but tears. And I, and I was wondering, is it tears for the loss? Because I tell you, Bob and and Walker, I know you know you didn't have plans to go see it, but my God, th- this is my favorite movie of the year. By far, this outdoes Biolante. This is my favorite Godzilla movie. The human story was so emotionally charged. They set it, you know, as the original Godzilla movie uh, right after World War II. And, you know, you never thought of what i'm spoiler alert i'm gonna spoil the heck out of this oh no i can't because karen hasn't seen it yet so (laughs) i will retract that spoil that i was gonna say but uh the human uh, just so well acted the story is cohesive and just you know so anyway going back to godzilla i saw him and i'm like am i crying because people are running and you see the terror in their face. And it's like, we just survived two bombs and an air raid over our city. We have nothing. And now we're going to lose 20,000, you know, citizens of of Tokyo. Or was it that this was the, one of the best introductions of Godzilla (laughs) coming onto land. I, I was just sitting there like, you're just so excited. I was just... Uh, uh, the soundtrack, I bought the CD. The soundtrack is so kind of minimal mm-hmm. until he makes his first appearance and the Ifukube theme yes. booms over the speakers in the theater. And uh, even the first time, once he's you know on land and in the city, the first time he lets that roar go. Yeah. And it just shakes your seat. And it's like, yeah, it's like a religious experience. (laughs) I have the CD as well. I just, I can't say enough good things. You know, we went Friday night with uh, good friends of ours, Jenny and Chad, uh, along with uh, Lisa and um, Michael. And, uh, of course, Jasmine. And then Jay and I went to go see it Sunday um, so I'm going to, I'm going to get a hold of Jay and see if he'll come with me to see it on IMAX. You saw it on IMAX already, right, Bob? No, I will this week sometime. No? Okay. I thought you saw it. Yeah. Cause uh, I saw it down in LA. That was just, uh, it was at the director's guild theater. Oh, okay. And, uh, they had the whole red carpet thing. So we saw it there and then the, as the, as a family, we saw it on, you know, a regular screen on Sunday. And then Kevin and I are going to go later this week and see it in IMAX. So it's that will be cool. Good. Um, yeah, that was just ugh, such a good movie. Um, to kind of offset all the genre stuff, uh, Jazz and I started watching this uh, show on Hulu. It's about a half hour, and it's called The Bear. Oh, and. So Karen, <laughs> um, it's really, really good. Um, 
it, you know, it, it's it's not Ted Lasso, but I remember uh, it, it brings about strong feelings. Um, the, the the comedy is very subdued, uh, or if there is any lighthearted, not comedy, but like lighthearted moments. Um, the ecto punch, Karen, you know the part I'm talking about at the cousin's house, the kids' party. Oh yes! Exactly. Oh my yeah, god! That was just <laughs> yeah. But um, well, it, it's I mean, it takes place in a restaurant. Um, it's a sandwich shop. Right? It's really a sandwich shop. And the, the, the main character comes back. The main character is this award winning, you know, Michelin star restaurant chef. And his brother dies and he comes back and takes over the sandwich shop. So he goes from making this fine cuisine to like working in the sandwich shop. And he starts turning it around like the way the restaurants were run where he used to work. And he meets all this friction at first. And then people start to buy into what he's trying to do. But it's all the different characters, I think, that make it so interesting. Yeah, we're we're at like the fifth episode, I think. And so, you know, he brings someone on to be his sous chef. And so mm-hmm. they, there's an episode where they deal with her and you know, her, her life. And then his cousin, who's, you know, not to give things away, Bob hasn't seen this and he he may, but it, you know, they're each episode, they kind of like delve into a character's, you know, motivation and who they are. And it's, it's just, um, it's compelling fun, you know, with all the superheroes and zombies and, and monsters. And it's nice to see, you know, something based and don't, you know, I'm gonna tell you a secret. Jasmine watches this plural marriage show, and it drives me crazy. Sister wives, and this will be the episode that she listens to because she doesn't really listen to the podcast. <laughs> um, but boy, <laughs> anyway, uh, so you guys get a chance to watch the bear. Um, I highly recommend it. Oh no, kung fu and dynamite in this thing. No kung fu and dynamite. And Bob, you're right. That Godzilla uh, minus one CD is just great because it is, you know, here's the music from the movie, and then Godzilla, you know, and it's like, um, yeah. Oh yeah. And speaking of Godzilla, I think I mentioned that we Keith and I had gotten press access to Godzilla, um, well, to Monarch Legacy of Monsters. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think on Apple Plus, as of this podcast, is up to like episode five. And just this last weekend, I watched nine and ten, which was the the end of the series. I think four is the last one I saw, but that was last week. So, yeah. So, um, yeah, I I swear, because I'm watching them as they come out with Debbie. But I've already watched it all the way to the end. (laughs) I got to say, you know, the last episode, the way it ends without giving anything away, big surprise. Okay. Very cool, big surprise. Okay. That's all I will say. Um, But I, I definitely enjoyed it, and it definitely sets up a second season that may not concentrate on Monarch. It may... May concentrate on something else, mm-hmm. but um, I think you know, I thought it was good. And a lot of people are complaining because, yeah, because like I'll mention on the internet that I've seen the whole thing. Well, does Godzilla show up again? And it's like, well, it's not Godzilla 
Legacy of Monsters, this Monarch Legacy of Monsters. So it's about how Monarch was created mm-hmm. and evolution and how it kind of came to be what it is, you know, in, in 2015 when the when the series takes place. But um, and again, you know, Kurt Russell and Wyatt Russell. I was going to say that, that was one of the reasons that brought me into it. I mean, for those that don't know, it play, takes place in 2015, but it also flashes back to the 50s when Monarch was originally created. So Kurt Russell, Wyatt Russell are playing the same role, just at different years or different ages. Done really well, too. Yeah. Now, the question is, is, is Wyatt imitating his dad <laughs> or is he really you know is that does he really have all his traits but uh I, you know it's definitely very good i agree and of course this last weekend the trailer for godzilla kong new empire came out and it's really kind of weird because well, I mean, you know, it looks like a lot of fun, but having just watched Godzilla Minus One and then coming home and watching the trailer for Godzilla against Kong, <laughs> you know, quite a contrast. But Bob is a good Godzilla fan. I was texting, you know, Karen and Bob, like, oh, yeah, Godzilla's running. So he sends me a video. Oh, Godzilla ran in the path. Oh, he's purple. Oh, he's purple in the path. I'm like, uh-huh. uh, but yeah, I, you know, I'll tell you, uh, Jasmine loves Godzilla versus King Kong, this last movie. And I was kind of like, eh. So she saw, you know, the trailer and she's like, oh, we're going to go see it. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> for the podcast. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I love all Godzilla. Except yeah. for the animated Netflix crap, but <laughs> uh, yeah, and except for that '98 film, I but, was just going to say '98. Yeah, but I mean, we'll see how it turns out. Now, did you see that little ape guy at the end that comes out? Mm-hmm. Did that remind anyone of Zuni from Fireball XL Five? Oh, I don't know Fireball. Come home. Listeners, Fireball XL5 Zuni on Google and get back to me. Yeah, you can you can comment on uh, on our social media pages um, if if you have uh, knowledge of that character. Well, my friends, this was a fun episode. Um, we're coming to a conclusion. Any last thoughts? Any last comments? What's your ring? Oh, it's Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Bob has a Spider-Man ring. His suit's going to pop out of that ring. <laughs> you crossed universes. <laughs> All right. Oh, that was a fun episode, and, you know, we got big things planned. We do. We have our Christmas um, episode coming up. We do. Come Shall back we... in a couple of weeks, and we'll have a little Christmas with Karloff. Wet the proverbial whistle, we may have a guest or two joining us. We'll see. So stay tuned. We'll see if we can. More of the merrier for Christmas, I tell you. (laughs) All right, kids. That concludes this episode. We appreciate you guys hanging with us and, and listening to us. Comment on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. 
Um, spread the good word. Stay safe. Take care of each other. We love and appreciate you all. Planet 8 signing off. Take care. On that note, this will conclude this transmission from Planet 8. We would like to thank all of our intergalactic audience for listening. Be sure to head on over to our website at www.planet8podcast.com where you can get more information on this episode's topic. For more conversation, find us on Twitter at Planet8Cast. Or on Facebook at facebook.com slash planet8podcast. We want to thank you guys for tuning in each and every episode. We look forward to your input and opinions. Until next time, this is Planet 8 signing off. End transmission. By George, he's got it. It is the end.